Let's get to the fan focus. All righty, waiting us off here on the fan focus. It's going to be Nick and Dustin on Joe Flacco. I think the perception is it'll be easier. We still have drops to contend with. With Joe, I'd like to see the running game come around with him at some point. It's one game. I'm not panicking. But well, like, that's, well, that sounds Stefanski to call some run plays. Um, I mean, he did call some run plays. The 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 uh, Rams going 49ers. The Rams did a good job of bottling him up until uh, they got the, the second best half. defensive tackle in football. I mean, yeah, that that's not the only reason. I mean, they just weren't having success. They, they did a pretty good job against the Browns. So you think they'll be able to run the ball with DTR? Um, they have been. Yeah, they have been able to run the with ball the with the same DTR. offensive line. You think they can run the ball better with DTR? What changes? What changes? Uh, the mobility of the quarterback. That allows you some second-guessing when you can do things like RPO. You're not going to do that with Joe Flacco. Okay. Why are you so stuffy about this? Because I think it's a silly conversation. No, what's like, the, what's I, the I conversation? I just feel like you watched like, two different games on Sunday. All I said is he's not Joe Montana. All I'm saying is... I mean, I, he, he, he might as well have been on Sunday with what we've seen for the Browns. They scored 19 for the last points. Three. Okay. What are we doing here? Okay, then. I mean, it sounded good. Uh, here's a problem. I understand what Nick is trying to get across, and I also understand what Dustin is trying to get across. Dustin got excited the way I got excited. What we've been trying to figure out is how much of that was real. And I think Nick, with the interception, maybe got scared off a little bit. I don't think it's his beloved of uh, and, and how much he loved DTR. I don't think that's it. I really don't think it is. I, I think it's more about the idea... That Joe Flacco, in Nick's eyes, Joe Flacco's good for one game a year, and that might have been his one game. I, I go back to what I heard from Steve Palazzolo, and you can go back and Odyssey Rewind, 8 o'clock hour. I got the clip for you guys all right there from PFF, where he maintains that's as good as he's ever seen uh, in recent years, Joe Flacco's arm B, and a lot of that he maintains is because Joe Flacco just rested it, and the arm got to be stronger, and I really do believe there is something to that. I think in the case of other players... It could maybe hurt you. But I maintain, when we talked about Deshaun Watson having rust, for instance, Michael Vick went to Leavenworth, came right out, and went to the Pro Bowl. You can do this. I know you can do this. And when it comes to Joe Flacco, it didn't surprise me. His arm looked good. He Benjamin buttoned himself as far as uh, quarterback is concerned. And I feel like like it's going to stay. The worry I would have isn't about the arm strength. The worry I would have is moving forward, whether or not he's able to, to complete some of the passes he was able to and continue to throw the ball deep the way that he was able to. Most 10-yard-plus plays out of any Browns quarterback in a single game in the Kevin Stefanski era. That's, a, that's crazy to me that that's true throughout the entire Baker Mayfield era, all of it. It's wild stat, but it's true. All right, next up, Ken and Lima pitch a new segment. I don't want to go over the Jason Lloyd experience. Oh, my. Ooh. I told you, I will call him out. But the best thing about Jason is I, I do like him so much, but I can call him out on the carpet for it. Uh, because, like, there, the the day he put he put his feet up on the desk and he started eating granola while he was on the air, I will always I will always let people know about that, and I'll always rip him for that. I go, come on, you're being a little unprofessional. Offensive to the profession. Yeah. Being a bit unprofessional, Jason. And I always sleep in right now, and I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care. I'm sure he's, uh, well, no, he's got to wake up early. He's got to milk the cows for Kevin Stefanski, and then he's got to go up the hill and fetch the pail of water for Kevin so Stefanski much and bring it on back down. And there's a lot of things you got to do for Kevin Stefanski, and it starts early in the morning. 
If you you got to wake up pretty early to carry more water for Kevin Stefanski than Jason Lloyd, I'll tell you that. Oh, I thought I thought it was funny yesterday. We had a call towards the very end of the show, and somebody's like, "I want to go after you, Anthony." I'm like, "Okay, sure, that's that's fun. I like it when they go after you too, but." Mix it up a little bit. Come after me. You should do a segment called "I Want to Go After You." And then you have to explain and then who you you're going explain after. Who you're going after? Yeah, and it could be anybody. It could be anybody on the station. Yeah, we don't care. Trash somebody. Just as long as somebody gets trashed. I love the idea. I love it. I want a segment where it's just people calling up and ripping hosts for different takes they have, for different ideas they have, for different thoughts they have, and then putting the person that comes up with that segment idea. In the awkward role of either having to defend your coworker or agree with the other person. That's why that segment is trash itself. That's why it's Trash Tuesday or whatever it is. I, I, I don't even know where the bit originated from, but that's why it's a tough one. Because you really do. You got to do the whole. Oh, who did I just see? I saw somebody on the Booyah Network earlier today. They were tweeting out about. Uh, they were tweeting out about uh, Paul Feinbaum. And they went after Paul Feinbaum. And I'm like, ooh, that's that's network on network crime right there. That is coworker on coworker crime. And that's tough. Put people in that position. Go ahead. See how that one works out for everybody. It's not gonna be for me, I'll tell you that much. But go ahead, do that. See how that one works out for you. I'll be listening. I promise you that. Nick and Dustin on Ohio State quarterbacks. I think you need to go get a Cam Ward, or I think you need to go get a player that can step in and give you a chance to win at a different level. And even a guy like, you know, Dante Moore, I think he might be more raw than everybody else we've talked about. But in the case of Dante Moore, if you don't really have to play anybody until the Michigan game, which is what the Big Ten has devolved into, that guy's got 10 games to develop. Like, I think in a a way, like, that's what you did with Kyle this year. You gave him 10 games to develop, and it never happened. And it probably never happened because he didn't have enough experience. He's not naturally good at reading the, the, the defense. And he's not mobile. With Dante Moore, he does have experience. He is mobile. And you're hopeful in this offense, maybe some of those young quarterback processing things go the way of the dodo real quick. Yeah. So that's I'm putting I'm putting all my eggs in the basket that if you go out and get a quarterback in the portal that's like noteworthy, I won't be concerned at all. You leave it to Devin Brown, Aaron Nolan, and Lincoln Keenholtz, and I'll I'll be significantly concerned going into that year. Rather have Nick Kurtz. I so I I was at my my golf lesson earlier today. My buddy Jeff over there at Golf Tech. We always talk sports and we always get into it. And uh, he brought up Arch Manning. And I had talked about Arch Manning briefly like a week ago with the idea that Arch Manning to the Buckeyes would just make sense because why is Arch Manning going to spend another year at Texas if Quinn Ewers decides he wants to come back? And it seems like Quinn Ewers is coming back for another season. And he's definitely, listen, Quinn Ewers got Texas into the college football playoff. The man keeps his job. You might not like him. You might not love him. You might not think he's a very good quarterback. I think he's better than probably most do. But he got him to a college football playoff. You don't lose your job after getting a team to a college football playoff. That's not how that works. I would bet Arch Manning doesn't end up at Ohio State, but couldn't you picture it? Now, Arch Manning has four more years left of eligibility. He redshirted this year. He's 18 years old. From the people I've talked to around the Longhorns program and in Texas, they tell me during practices he looked every bit of 18 years old. That would be the gamble that I would wonder with Ohio State. 
Would Ohio State be willing in a Ryan Day must-win year to take on what would be considered to be more of a developmental year for Arch Manning where the payoff could be monstrous for the next four years in return for what could go rather poorly for one season? I don't know. Ask yourself that question, Ohio State fans. You tell me what you think. I think, I I mean, I know what I would want just because I love the name of it all. I love the genes attached to it all. I I think think he's going to be something really special. But I don't know that Ohio State has time to waste on that. That developmental year where maybe he does have some bad picks against a, a team in a really important moment and cost you the game. I just don't know that he's got that to afford. But if you can get Arch Manning... I think it'll be really fascinating to find out if Ohio State bites. And they should be up there. Every team in college football, you would think, would throw themselves in for the consensus number one player in the class of 2023 with four years left of eligibility. And again, one of the best genes you can find. I don't mean blue genes. I mean like family genes. The old DNA. All right, Baskin and Phelps on how old do you want to live? <laughs> show passing away norman lear at the age of 101 somebody told you right now andy you could be 101 still have it all together you'd say yes wouldn't you i played the song for uh, a while yeah the way he had it together yeah do you remember he did something on um i think on the beginning of the alpha uh, network uh, a year ago or two years ago where they went back and redid they redid a couple of the shows <laughs> that he did. I think they did all. In the, they did redid an All in the Family live. Yeah. Um, with you know current current actors, and he was up on the desk. Man, he was awesome. Yeah. I played the song for a while because it, it reminds me of my youth. That's that's what these saxophone players outside of Wrigley used to always play. Anytime I'd go to a Cubs game, they'd be like dun 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 so it reminded me of that, and I like that a lot. Obviously, the show was good, too. Everything else attached to it. Would you take 101? What are we doing here? Of course, everyone would take 101, right? Or does 101 become bothersome at a certain point? I'm in the camp of I want to live as long as I possibly can. If you could tell me I could live to be 178, I'd be like, all right, even if I'm a mashed potato for the remaining 50 years of that, as long as I can still eat food, watch sports, and drink, I'll take it. I'll take it in a second. I don't even need the drinking part. We can actually we can eliminate the drinking part if we need to. You can get rid of my scotch completely, and uh, I would take it. Sign me up on the dotted line. I want to live as long as I can is the point here. 101, for sure. For sure. Some people think it's a nuisance, though. Some people are like, past 90, what are we doing here? I understand it. I get it, but I, I don't feel that way. All right, lastly. It's going to be Ken and Anthony on the Browns potentially making the playoffs this year and what it means. Your fans care, okay? Part of this is a show. Part of this is entertainment. And I know you guys are buddies. Do that in the hallway. Don't do that out on the field. If you've if you've lost the game, we get our fans because they're emotionally involved. Don't play buddy-buddy out there like that right after. Because the fans are not buddy-buddy. They care. And so that's why I get worked up over the Browns making the playoffs. It's the fans. Players and coaches and all that stuff, they come and they go. Fine. Some of them are great guys, and some of them are major league bastards. But the fans are there, man. And so that's why I get emotional. So if they're, if I don't think they're going to get emotional, 
Will I get emotional? Probably not. I don't think they're going to get emotional if they make the playoffs this year. why is it that this type of season, considering everything they have to overcome, considering you are handed nothing but you-know-what from week one with the Conklin injury, week two with the Nick Chubb injury, and then all year it seemed like with the Deshaun Watson injury, and we still got a month of football left. Who knows? Who knows what this roster looks like in a month? But the hay is in the barn, Kenny. They have already enough wins where if they just win a few more, they're in. All right, let me ask you guys, 216-474-0092. Will the postseason matter more this time for Browns fans than when it did a couple years ago? I tend to agree with Ken on this one. What do you think? 216-474-0092. I can't find a way that it would matter more this season. I'll explain what I mean on that when we come on back. It's overtime with Jonathan Bidon here with you on the fan.